Hey y'all, this is Liberated Love Notes, a podcast on Living Corporate Network hosted by yours truly, Brittany Janae, creator of Liberated Love Notes, critical self-reflections and affirmations for the culture. Y'all already know, if you've been here before, that Liberated Love Notes is your source for weekly doses of affirmations, reflections, and reimagining for us by us. Mm. Y'all, today's episode is special. Before I get into today's episode, though, want to acknowledge that today, the day that this episode will drop, is Memorial Day. Memorial Day. In the U.S. context, this is a time where there's this collective commemoration of those who have lost their lives in the military. That's, at least from my understanding, the formal uh, intention of the day. Yes, yes, yes. And, and in the spirit of, y'all have heard me mention it quite a bit in this space, in the spirit of remembering, I'm actually going to kick off this episode a bit different, a bit different. We actually going to engage in our own, we're actually going to pause a bit to have our own collective remembering. And so wherever you are, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it is on your walk or in your car, I'm going to ask you to engage with me, engage in this here collective remembering what I like to refer to as a call to remember. A call to remember that in as much as I am harmed by colonialism as a black woman, I also benefit from it as someone existing on this stolen land. And so this call to remember is one where I lift up the names of the Susquehannock and Piscataway tribes the people who were the original caretakers and nurturers of this land that we know today as as Baltimore. Land that was stolen from them. This call to remember is one where we, we, we remember that the same system, we recognize that the same system that perpetuated the taking away of land, also justified the taking away of our bodies, the taking away of and erasure of our culture and all those beautiful things that make us different. We're going to remember. This is a call to remember that our liberation is interconnected. It is inextricably bound. And when we 
don't call attention to this, when we don't intentionally remember, we can easily forget, which ends up perpetuating the invisibility and invalidation of harm, of real harm that was committed, that continues to be perpetuated. This call to remember is a call to remember everything that this dominant white supremacist culture would have us forget. Our history, the impact, the injustice, this remembering This collective remembering, y'all, is not transactional. It is significant. Remembering is part of this work. Remembering is, if you ask me, something like an act of liberation. As we engage in this collective call to remember, I'm going to invite you to remember and lift up the names wherever you are of those individuals whom perhaps are in your lineage, those ancestors who are not here in this physical realm, but are ever the more present as they influence your being and how you show up in the world, your work. How about we remember? I'm remembering Elmer Carroll Coppedge Sr., a man of big faith. I am remembering Louis A. Harris Sr., a man of good deeds and provision. I am remembering Ella Watkins. Hmm special kind of love, a special kind of love. I am remembering the thought leadership in affirming words of my ancestral <laughs> intellectual foremothers, Toni Morrison, Bell Hooks, Lucille Clifton, among others. I want y'all to remember too. Just take a minute. Lift up those names as we remember. As we remember. Mm. Mm. I mentioned (laughs) that today's episode is, is something special. It is a liberated love note that I have been working on for a few weeks now, y'all. A liberated love note that I have taken very seriously with such love and care. Uh, Written and certainly today articulated in the spirit of loving accountability loving accountability. This liberated love note, y'all, is specifically one going out to our brothers, sisters, cousins, (laughs) siblings who are 
Black leaders, Black entrepreneurs, and Black founders. Mm. This liberated love note is an invitation. An invitation to what I am referring to as a return. An invitation to return to love and liberation in the spirit of remembering. I'm actually going to kick off this piece with a passage from Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks is Salvation, book entitled Salvation, Black People in Love, Black People and Love. And in it, she offers here by way of quote, it is not too late for Black people to return to love, to ask again the metaphysical questions commonly raised by Black artists and thinkers during the heyday of freedom struggles, questions about the relationship between dehumanization and our capacity to love, questions about internalized racism and self-hatred. She goes on to, to say, without a sound emotional foundation, material privilege easily corrupts. Gaining access to material privilege will never satisfy needs of the spirit. Needs of the spirit can only be satisfied when we care for the soul. Our ancestors knew this. Only a politics of conversion where we return to love can save us. Mm. And so this is my liberated love note to Black leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders. My invitation to return to love and liberation. Brother, sister, cousin, sibling, (laughs) who is out here building, founding, creating. If I'm being real, Working for a Black-owned business has always felt more pinnacle than starting my own. For me, there is something beautiful about building upon and co-evolving another Black person's legacy. You know, tending to the soil, Nurturing what had been planted, planting a few seeds of my own along the way. You know, in a dominant culture of individualism, hyper-competition, and power hoarding, something about that felt radical, spiritual even. Something about that felt true. You know, I think there is such a thing as creating or building in access. At one point, I felt like everybody and their mom was starting an an LLC or a 501c3, a new programming or new initiative. 
leading to siloed, duplicative efforts and a context that that value competition over community building, a culture of hustle and grind over community care, and missed opportunities to fully imagine and operationalize what it means to be part of a broader ecosystem. Y'all, I've also observed definitions of success and growth limited to a focus on breadth and scale, otherwise known as doing the most, over depth and connection. Very practically, this looks like (laughs) entrepreneurs with the best of intentions wanting to be everything to everybody, maybe prematurely scaling or taking on new work beyond institutional capacity rather than an intentional focus on staying in one's lane or partnering with others who may be gifted in areas where we lack. I share all of this to say that this has influenced or influences how I defined and have come to expand my understanding of what it means to be a leader or or entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship and leadership shouldn't be limited to starting something new any more than it is also building upon what's already there. I believe this mindset or reframe requires a certain degree of humility, love, commitment, and sacrifice. I know this intimately. When I joined the Winters Group, a Black woman-owned business, a little over six years ago, the institution, though in its 30th year, was something like a startup in its current iteration. It was what I refer to as fertile ground. I had no ulterior motive other than the desire to build, plant, nourish, plow, plant some more. Having a a Black person, better yet, a Black woman signing my paycheck, y'all, it felt like peak to me. It felt like enough. Experiencing the gift of building upon while also evolving myself was, is divine. Working in a context where the work was so deeply connected to what I believe to be my purpose while simultaneously using my gifts and talents to partner with institutions and amplify the work of my elder felt like my own version of changing the world. 
And if I'm being honest, it still does. I've worked in both Black-led spaces and white institutions. Cousin, sibling, brother, sister, fellow entrepreneur, creator, founders. In my experience, there is a sense of personal commitment, emotional investment, and intrinsic value when working in Black-led spaces. It feels, or at least is supposed to feel, at home. And when I use the language of home, I am referring to some of the conditions that I personally associate with home. Words that come to mind, safety, spiritual covering, community, accountability, love. I appreciate our ancestor Bell Hooks' definition or ingredients, rather, of love for this context. She offers love is a mix of care, compassion, trust, respect, knowledge, and recognition. I love it even more when she affirms the radical nature of love in praxis. She shares that domination cannot exist in any, in any social situation where a love ethic is present. Brother, sister, cousin, sibling, fellow entrepreneur, builder, leader, I am here to affirm and invite us to consider that we don't just need more Black-owned businesses, entrepreneurs, and leaders. We need more Black entrepreneurs and leaders committed to embodying their leadership as a love ethic, a love practice. We need more Black businesses that are rooted in love and liberation. The deal is this. White supremacy, colonialism, capitalism, classism, elitism, nepotism, ableism, and all their other cousins in them have their way of showing up even in our spaces, even when the white face isn't in the room. Though in most cases, the dynamics may be more subtle when they rear their heads, I can attest that it hits different. <laughs> it hit different. Likewise, likewise, it can be difficult to discern, to name, and contend with for a number of reasons. One, <laughs> let's just be real, the business landscape rooted in exploitative capitalism, anti-blackness, and white supremacy 
makes it difficult for black entrepreneurs just to get by sometimes. Is research out there that black entrepreneurs are less likely to have access to capital and credit. And so not only are we trying to build businesses, we're trying to do so in an oppressive context that was literally set up for us to fail. Another thing, while striving to prioritize the operational components of building a business, we're not always setting aside time nor the appropriate amount of resources to build, evolve, and nurture ourselves. Not only that, y'all, race-based trauma under the system of white supremacy and while in harmful corporate environments is real and more often than not goes unhealed. Unfortunately, that can lead us to projecting our unhealed traumas on others with whom we are in community and not even knowing. And so, lack of attention to our own healing coupled with, you know, the historical lack of access to mental health care. And mistrust of the healthcare institution complicates all of this. Another thing I've tracked, specifically as someone who has worked in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and perhaps other folks who are working in change-making capacities, we often find the work or find ourselves in work that is so focused on white folks companies and institutions that we are fatigued and not even checking for how some of the same harmful systems of oppression can be perpetuated and embodied by us. Last reason that I've tracked As a communal people, sometimes it just feels good to support our own. And so it creates this complex dynamic where we may be excessively protective of those we see as impactful, significant, or arriving, so much so that we position them as beyond reproach. Now... There perhaps are other factors and nuances that make discerning and disrupting systems of oppression in our own spaces difficult. These are just my anecdotal observations and personal truths. And I recognize that these complicated dynamics are not easily fixable. There ain't no checklists, (laughs) no best practices, no quick, fast, and a hurry way to address centuries-long intergenerational manifestations of harm and oppression. And, because y'all know I love a good and, and I believe with time and commitment to, I said it earlier, loving accountability, we 
can return. Mm. What I mean by that, we can create spaces and businesses, homes within our institutions that are rooted in our values. That's our work, y'all. And I believe we deserve to engage in it. I've mentioned before that I consider myself a, a perpetual wanderer. I believe I, I, I have more questions most times than I do answers. And I experience this as a gift. A posture of wonder allows me to remember. Remember what's been ripped from my cultural memory and forgotten about myself, my identity, and blackness. A posture of wonder allows me to unlearn, unlearn harmful, dominant cultural norms that do not serve my humanity, our collective humanity. A posture of wonder ultimately allows me to redefine, redefine power, redefine what it means to be a leader, a steward, an entrepreneur. My wonder is something like a gateway to reimagining different. And if you ask me, I just feel like we all deserve that. <laughs> and so for the folks my fellow cousins, siblings, brothers, sisters, black leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders who are listening and perhaps are like, okay, uh, what all of this mean? For the folks who might appreciate a dose of pragmatism <laughs> with this serving up of imagination that I'm offering here, what might this work? This remembering, this unlearning, this redefining. What might this work look like, feel like, yield in outcomes? This is my invitation. This is, this is the invitation. It looks like, if you ask me, communities of Black leaders and entrepreneurs immersing themselves in the thought leadership and wisdom of our elders and ancestors. It looks like moving beyond the mainstream, no shade, Harvard Business Reviews and Deloitte, quote, white papers in white academia to understand who we are and who we should be as humans and Black bodies. That's what it looked like. It feels... It feels challenging. It probably even feels uncomfortable or unrealistic because we are used to building and creating within the confines of the white imagination, oppressive systems and structures that suggest our ways of being, quote unquote, just won't work or won't be received. At the same time, I think it also feels affirming, like a loving reminder, like joy. It feels like growth. The outcomes, <laughs> for the folks who appreciate clarity around outcomes, 
the outcomes are black founders, black leaders, black entrepreneurs who are not just building and leading, but building and leading differently. It's a whole reimagination. I want to end with hmm, a quote that I've cited a number of times on Liberated Love Notes and feels timely and resonant to this Liberated Love Note. For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. That's Audre Lorde. Mm. Y'all, I believe we can. I believe we will. I believe we deserve to return to love and liberation as we build, as we create, as we lead. And that is going to be a big part of my work moving forward. We're going to include a link in the show notes because if this resonated with you or if you even got to go back and listen again, maybe even read, it's going to be up on the blog. Maybe you need time to process. If you um, are a black leader, entrepreneur, change maker, if you know of one in your sphere, go ahead and share this episode Go ahead and share this post. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes because I'm working on something. I'm working on something and would love to have you be part of it. We're going to return, y'all. We're going to return. Return to love and liberation. Peace.